This evening I'm going to speak about the glory of the Lord, and we're going to uh, be looking at Ezekiel chapter 1. I've been reading from Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel over the last several months, and that's just what I've been thinking about a lot, and so this was what's been on my mind. Um, as we look at this, there's a lot of things that these people are going through that have similarities to what we're going through right now, and that's why it, it stands out to me. Now, of course, not that we're in the exact same situation, but we know that God's word is timeless, and as those people dealt with difficult times um, before Jesus was born, we're dealing with them now, 2,000 years after Jesus was here, it's timeless. And we can gain um, encouragement, and we can gain uh, trust in our, in our God and in our Savior as we study even Old Testament things. That's what uh, Paul told us in Romans. Now, as, as you study Ezekiel, there's a, definitely a lot of symbols that's used in Ezekiel. It's a lot like Revelation, really. And um, so there's some things that we're going to look at here in Ezekiel 1 that I simply, I, I don't know what it means, okay? There's some things in there that are, that are strange, and uh, just to put it, to put it honestly, uh, when you look at uh, commentaries on it, there's, there's tons of different ideas of what it means, but... There's some things in there that, that are hard to know what it means, but there is one clear point that Ezekiel 1 pushes towards. One very clear point that as I read it through the very first time, that I, I definitely got the point that it was after. Even though I didn't get all the little details, the main idea is what it was. And that's where we're headed tonight is to the main idea of what he has in this vision. So the main point of the lesson tonight is to give encouragement. It's to give us encouragement in spite of the difficulties that we are going through. So Ezekiel is shown an amazing vision. I want to have the same issue. It's turned on. just does not want to advance. There we go. All right. So... In, um, in Ezekiel 1, he's shown an amazing vision, which actually, the vision that starts in chapter 1 goes through the first three chapters. And again, like I said, Ezekiel's a lot like Revelation. There's a bunch of stuff in there that, that is honestly just hard to understand what it means. But one thing that I think is important is that we don't, we don't look at passages of, passages of Scripture and just say, you know, that's too difficult, and basically just exclude it. And Revelation is a perfect example of that for me personally. I look at Revelation, a lot of that stuff is just like, I have, I don't know what in the world this is talking about. So a lot of times, I just overlook it. And that is not what we should do. There may be things in there that may be difficult. But in, even in the most difficult stuff like this in Ezekiel and Revelation, there are things that are as clear as they can be. And that's what we're going to be uh, looking at tonight. Okay, Ezekiel prophesies during the... Judah's captivity in Babylon. Now, just to give a quick history of that to, to where they're at. So if you go way back, all the way back to King David. So King David uh, was the first king after Saul. And then um, David's son Solomon became king. And then Rehoboam. And then the split happened. And then you had Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And you had all these kings that were, you know, all the kings in the northern kingdom. You had all the kings in the southern kingdom. And basically, as time progressed, the godliness of those kings just, it just fell apart worse and worse and worse, even though there were bright spots in there. Even towards the end of Judah, uh, for instance, you get down towards the end, you had Josiah, 
was a godly king. You have Hezekiah, his uh, great-grandfather. Um, there were good kings in that, through, throughout that, even towards the end. But it just was on a, on, a, on a decline that got to the point to where they were, it just, just got to the point where God warned them that they would go if they didn't listen to him. God warned them over and over through the prophets, throughout these kings, that if you don't do what I ask, I will deal with you. And God dealt with Judah. He sure did. He promised to them that uh, through prophecies that Babylon would come in and take them over and that they would be there for 70 years. Uh, Jeremiah 25 is one place where it mentions that specifically for, for 70 years. Now, there were some prophets who were false prophets who lied to the, to the uh, captives of Judah, and they told them that they would only be there for two years. Uh, Hananiah, I believe, is the one that, who did that. And Jeremiah personally rebuked him um, because he was lying, because he was basically giving them hope that they would be going back. And Jeremiah said, no, you're going to be there for 70 years in captivity. One thing that I think is interesting to note, that during this time, you have at least three prophets that are alive. There may be more, uh, Zephaniah and others, but at least three for sure. Jeremiah was alive during this time of the captivity, Daniel and Ezekiel, all three of these. Now, Jeremiah was definitely the older of these prophets. Um, Jeremiah was alive during, during uh, King Josiah's reign. And uh, so you have these three prophets. Jeremiah stayed in Judah throughout the captivity, basically. When, Nebuchad when Nebuchadnezzar first came in, he didn't take all of Israel back to Babylon in that first, in that first wave. He took some of them back. Jeremiah stayed behind. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar came back a couple more times after that. Eventually it got to the point where Nebuchadnezzar um, got sick of it and then he did destroy, destroy the city. But there was, it wasn't just one exit. It was, it was over several different, different things that happened. But in all of that, Jeremiah stayed in Judah. Now at the very end of Jeremiah's life, when Nebuchadnezzar was done and he destroyed everything, Jeremiah actually went down into Egypt. But he was alive during this time of the, of the uh, captivity in, in uh, Babylon. Of course, we know Daniel was alive during this time. Daniel was in Babylon with the king. We know all the stuff that happened there. Um, Callan preached about that several Sundays ago. And we know that uh, Daniel was there with the king and, and, you know, in that court, in that type of a situation. Ezekiel is in Babylon, but he's not up in, in a high place at all. He is basically with the refugees, I guess you could say, with these Jewish people who have been taking captives back to Babylon. And he's with those people. And so all three of these guys have different, uh, different roles. They have different purposes to accomplish. Okay, now in Ezekiel 1 and verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chebar. Now, as I said, there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't understand. I'm not going to go into all the details because there's a lot of stuff. There's just some main points that we're going to get out of this chapter, although we are probably going to read the whole chapter. But... It, the 30th year, some people said that was the 30th year of Ezekiel's life. Some people said it was the 30th year from Josiah or whatever. It was a, a bunch of different stuff on that. That doesn't matter. What I want to notice from this, though, is it says here that Ezekiel said, I was among the captives by the river of Chebar. And this was a river in, uh, in Babylon. So you can see right here, here's Jerusalem. And over here, Babylon and Chebar, and of course, you know, when you look at these maps, of course, they're all just guessing, but Chebar is right here, and you can see the scale of this map right here is 400 miles right there. And so from Jerusalem to Chebar, more than 400 miles, maybe about 500 miles as the crow flies. So 
That is a long distance from where Ezekiel was from. A very long distance. Now, one thing that I, that I think is, is good and to, to look at is the 137th Psalm. Now, as I said earlier, the purpose of, of Scripture is to apply it to our lives and to look at how we can use the stuff that they went through and see how it helps us. So in the 137th Psalm, it says here, by the rivers of Babylon. So, you know, a lot of times, whenever I was a little kid, I always thought all the Psalms were written by David. That's not true. This is obviously not written by, by David. This is written by the people who were, um, you know, by the rivers of Babylon. So this was either written during the Babylonian captivity or sometime after. And it's, it's incredible to me to, to see the, the, the emotion that's written here. I remember the, I remember, of course, the song that, that was written from this, and I don't remember the name of the group, but the one that Ty and, and all those guys from the Houston area, where they recorded a, a CD or two, and I remember that they sang this song and recorded it. And I remember as a little kid, mom playing this in the van, and uh, just good memories of, of that song being sung. But the, the, the emotion that's portrayed here, you know, as, as you think about the situation that we're going through right now, and I just, just think about where we're at, and just think about how uncomfortable some of the things that we've witnessed, some of the things that we're going through, how uncomfortable that, is, that has made you. There's some things that's happened, I just, I just feel like, like I can't grab on anything, it just feels weird. If, I mean, I've said it several times, I just feel like I'm in the twilight zone sometimes. Like, can this get any stranger? Can this get any weirder? And I'm, as everybody, ready to be done with it. But think about where we're at and think about what has really changed in your life. Do you still get to go home and sleep on your bed? Do you still get to call your home your home? Have you been forced to move somewhere? Things have changed for us and there's no doubt. But think about the changes that these people went through. They were ripped from their homes. And things drastically changed. And they're here sitting by this river, and it's not like me going sitting by a river today where it would be a vacation. They're taken from their homes by force, and they're sitting by this river, and they want to go back to their homeland. They want to go back where they came from. I've seen uh, videos of, of people, you know, today of people who, who are refugees, and not getting into the politics of any of that, but how a lot of those people, as wars have happened in their, ha- in their homeland, and they have to leave and I, I remember seeing this one video of this guy interviewing this person in uh, some, some Russian, close to Russia country. But he wanted to go back to his homeland, but he was very poor. And there was no way, he knew there was no way he was going to get to go back home. And he just, he just longed to be able to go back home. And so that's, that's what's going on here in the 137th Psalm. So I want to read this. He says, by the rivers of Babylon... And this, of course, is speaking about the people like Ezekiel. He said, I was there by that river of Chebar. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they, for there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required us of mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? 
I just, just as I think about the emotion and, and the true emotion that, that went into the writing of this and the, where these people were at, I can just imagine where they are at in their minds. So that is, that's the, the background of where we're at. These people are in captivity. They're hundreds of miles from their home, and, and they are, they're sad. They want to go back to their homeland. Now, as we read through Ezekiel chapter 1, I just want to get your mind prepared for this because there's some stuff in there that when I first read through it, I was like, what in the world? But in Ezekiel chapter 1, he, he's going to talk about this, um, this living creature that has four different faces. And then he's going to talk about this wheel inside of a wheel, and, and we'll read it in just a second. And when I first read that, it talks about it coming from the north, and I just assumed that was symbolic of Babylon coming in. Well, I found this right here, and it, it helps me know that, that my, what I thought originally wasn't true, using Scripture to interpret Scripture. In Ezekiel 10, he's going to tell us what he means by all of these things that he's talking about here in Ezekiel 1. So Ezekiel 10 is lit, written later in Ezekiel's life. So... It says here in verse 14, and everyone had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub, and you'll know what we mean by all these faces in just a second. And the second face was the face of a man, the third face of a lion, the fourth of an eagle. And the cherubims were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Chebar. So right there, he says exactly what he was talking about over in Ezekiel chapter 1. He says that that living creature I saw was the cherubims that were lifted up. And verse 20 makes it even clearer of that same chapter. This is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel by the river of Chebar, and I knew that they were the cherubims. So what we're about to read with all these uh, creatures, with all these faces, he tells us exactly what it is right here. He says that they are cherubims. And cherubims are... For lack of, a better, uh, lack of a better word, they're a class of angels. So they're a type of angel. Um, so that's what, that's what that means. Okay, so I'm going to jump into Ezekiel chapter 1. If you want to get out your Bible and read from there, uh, we're going to go ahead and read through this whole chapter. It says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month... And by the way, this is the New King James, I believe. I'm sorry. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. So Ezekiel is talking about being called here. Now, verse 4 says, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. A great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber. Out of the midst of the fire, also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. So there you go. Those are the, the creatures that he was uh, talking about Ezekiel 10. This is what he's about to talk about right here. And again, all this stuff we're about to read here, it, it's setting the stage for the end of the chapter, which is very clear. So back in verse 5, also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance, that they had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. 
Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward. Two wings of each, one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. And for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of, to- of torches going back and forth among the living creatures, the fire was bright. And out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they moved, they went toward any one of, the, of, of four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome, and their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went, because there the Spirit went, and the wheels were lifted together with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. When they stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of, of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. And under their firmament, their wings spread out straight, one toward another. Even one had two which covered one side, and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings." Okay, so you've, you have these living creatures, has, has these four faces, and then you have the wheels. And again, I don't, I don't know what all of that means. I mean, I just, there's, you know, highly symbolic things that are going on there. But I do want us to notice here in what it says in verse 24. He says, whenever these creatures were beating their wings, he said it was like the noise of many waters. He said it was like even the voice of the Almighty speaking whenever they, whenever they beat their wings. So it was like the tumult, like the noise of an army. In other words, he's saying he's trying just to come up with some analogy to help us understand how, how powerful and how loud it was whenever these creatures beat their wings. And so we have all of that stuff. But as I said at the beginning, this is headed to a very specific thing that we're about to finish off with here in in this chapter. So in verse 25, now it says, a voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. So he's seen this vision of these incredible creatures and how awesome they are. But he said, over their heads, this voice came out. And it says, whenever they stood, they let down their wings. To me, that's incredible. He just talked about how loud these wings were whenever they were beating. But whenever this voice that he heard came out, it was so loud and so powerful, it, it overwhelmed the noise of these wings and they let down their wings. Whenever this voice began to speak, they let their wings down. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone, 
On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw, as it were, the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So when I saw it, I fell on my face And I heard a voice of one. Notice that one is capitalized. I heard the voice of one speaking. And in chapter 2 and chapter 3 is God Almighty speaking to Ezekiel. The the language here is, again, what what all that means, I, I don't know. But I do know that the purpose of all of that was to get him to the end where he described the fact that God said above all of that, and when he spoke, they stopped beating their wings. It was so loud, so powerful, they stopped moving to listen to the man that was speaking to God. Obviously, this stuff is highly symbolic. But I want to ask you this question. How would you describe the taste of a strawberry to somebody who can't taste? Say somebody never knew how to taste. How would you describe to them what a strawberry tastes like? I mean, how could you do that? You could use some descriptors, and you could come up with as many words as possible, but how would you make somebody understand what a strawberry tastes like if they can't taste? You'd use as many words and be as descriptive as possible, but eventually you realize you can't put that flavor in their mouth. It just It's going to be impossible. You can do the best that you can do. Now, another thing that I thought of, how would you describe thunder to somebody who can't hear and who, you know, for whatever, couldn't feel vibrations or whatever? How would you describe thunder to somebody? The power that you feel when you feel thunder shake, when you feel it shake the house. How could you describe that to somebody who couldn't perceive what thunder is? How would you make them understand that? It would be impossible. You would use as many words as possible. How do you describe the glory of the Lord? That's exactly what he just talked about here, that this was the likeness of the glory of the Lord. How do you describe the glory of the Lord in its, full, in, its, in its full details? Well, you use the words that God has given us, but you realize that you can't totally convey who he is. And so when we read language like that, it's trying to use as, as many words as possible. Of course, those words are inspired, and they're uh, given to us for a reason, and, and everything is there for its purpose. But it's to help us to understand that this is something that cannot truly be described. And as I said again, what, what I love in that is the 25th verse where it says, there was a voice from the firmament that was over their heads when they stood, they let down their wings. Ezekiel's purpose was that he was speaking to these slaves in a strange land. He was speaking to a few people who would listen and needed encouragement. There were still some of those people in uh, in Babylon who still refused to believe in God, who still refused to serve Him, as as what uh, Hugh J talked about this morning. Ezekiel was prophesying to those people and said, "You rebellious house." But there were still some people who were faithful to God, and there were some people who changed their mind as they were in this captivity. But Ezekiel is speaking to these people who are in this strange land. 
And for some of them who were basically already adults whenever they went into captivity, basically Ezekiel is telling them, you're going to be here for 70 years. And that was another thing that Jeremiah did because, um, like I said, the, the prophet that lied said you would only be there for two years. Some of them were like, not, you know, not, they were just expecting to go back. And Jeremiah said, no, you're good. basically you're going to be here for the rest of your life. You need to basically realize that this is your home and realize that this is where you're going to die at. And that's what Ezekiel is doing. Is he's talking to people who, if they believe the prophecy of 70 years, they know I'm not going to get to go back home. I'm going to die here. This is where I'm going to end. And so he's encouraging these people. And what he's doing is showing them through this vision that God is above everything. He's above everything. He's above the, he's above the Babylonians for sure. He's above the cherubims, the angels that are in heaven. Whenever he speaks, they listen. They stop beating their wings. He's above everything. And that's what we need to realize Now, whenever we think about the Babylonian Empire and the army and all that, we can describe it. We can say, you know, they had this much power, they could do this and all that. You cannot describe how how good God is. You cannot describe how how powerful he is. And that's what Ezekiel is trying to help these people to understand. Is we're in a bad place, we're in a bad situation, but God is above all of this. He's above all of this. It was, I saw a pretty good meme the other day talking about, is this the new normal? And like somebody was ready to punch him or something like that. But you know, we talk about, is this the new normal or whatever? Well, you know, I, I don't think so. I think we're going to get back to somewhat of normalcy. It's going to be different than what it was before. But the nature of this earth is that things change. And that's what we have to realize, is things change here on this earth. We go through cycles of, of different stuff, and we have to realize that while we're here on this earth, this earth can be shaken. It can be moved, things can change, and things can fall apart. But what we need to remember and to know is that our ultimate new normal is heaven. And that our ultimate reality is heaven. Reality is, is eternity. Reality is eternity. Because we're only here for 80, 90, 100 years or whatever we're, we're going to live here. For a million, 10 million, 10 billion, 100 trillion years, that's where we're going to exist. That's really where reality is. And whenever we, whenever we start thinking about stuff here on this earth, and we start thinking about this situation and that situation, and allow that to drag us down and to bog us down, and to forget who God is and how good he is, we're falling into Satan's trap. And that's what Ezekiel is doing, is he's showing them through this vision, this is who we serve. This is who we serve. And realize that all of this power that's here on this earth one day will be put down and eternity is all that there will be. We need to realize that God is above all. And for the remainder of my lesson, I just want to look at some verses that speak about how good God is and speak about His power. In Psalms, the, the 147th Psalm, verse 5, it says, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. His understanding is infinite. No, my understanding is not infinite. I don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
I, you know, I kind of have things maybe scheduled out. I've got a few packages I know that are coming in, hopefully. Um, I've got a few things that I'm going to get done. But my understanding really, I mean, my understanding could be done right, right now, literally. I could just fall right here, and that would be it. God's understanding is infinite. He sees from the beginning to the end. He's the one we should put our faith in. He's the one that we should look to like Ezekiel did in that, in that prophecy. Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. You know, there's things that, that I would like to change. There's things that I wish were different, but a lot of things, you know, so we have to realize that's beyond my control. That's beyond my power. I don't, I don't have the ability to change that. I need to be happy with, with where things are at. But nothing is too hard for God. He can change anything. He can change anything. He has the ability. Job 42 and verse 2, he says, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Job, as he was speaking to God and Job acknowledged to God, he said, I know that you can do everything. In the Revelation 19 and verse 6, he says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. For the Lord our God, God, the Almighty reigns. Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. The God who, who spoke in Ezekiel's vision, who spoke and made those creatures lay their wings down, is the same one who's promised us this that he will be there to strengthen us, to help us, to uphold us. We need to remember that it's him. It's him that we should trust in. Not the stuff here on this earth, but that we trust in him. In Psalms 90 verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You know, all the, the institutions that we see today and, and everything that we have today were not from the foundations of the earth. They're from, from we, can, we can date them. We can say it started here, started there. But God in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite power, before the, before the mountains were brought forth, he's been, he's been from everlasting to everlasting. He's God. In Zephaniah 3 and verse 17, it says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. In Daniel 4 and verse 35 says, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Nebuchadnezzar speaking here. And he said, And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? When Nebuchadnezzar realized and understood the power of God Almighty, this is what he said. When he realized, he said, nobody can stop you, not even me as being the most powerful man here on earth. I can't stop you. You have your way with whatever you say. In Jude 
24th and 25th verse, it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Then my final verse here in Matthew 19 and verse 26. Jesus beheld them and said, as he was speaking about the fact that God can save. And they said, but with men this is impossible. Uh, Jesus said, but with men this is impossible. With, but with God all things are possible. To the Almighty who made every one of us, to the Almighty who created every living being, to the Almighty who created vision, to the Almighty who created the wonders of a beehive, to the Almighty who put every star in its place and that calls that star by its name, to the Almighty who made a plan for us to be able to be with him forever, he's the one that we look to. He's the one that we're living before today. He's the one that we should trust in and the one that we should have our hope in and know that things do change here on this earth, but he is constant. He is there and he's sitting up in the same place he was sitting in Ezekiel's vision. He's sitting there as the Almighty. And that's where our trust and our hope needs to be is in him and to remember that he's the one that we serve, the the Almighty, the All-Powerful. If you're here this evening and you have been taught the gospel, and you want to obey it tonight, and to, to finish doing that in baptism, we would love to serve you in that. Or if you're here tonight, and you um, are struggling with something, and you need the prayers and encouragement from the saints here, we would love to pray with you. If one of either class would come and sit on the front pew as we stand and sing the invitation song. <laughs>